Welcome to the Ephesians 3 podcast. Here you can listen to the student talks given at Ephesians 3, a weekly fellowship where students at Newman Parish in Columbia, Missouri, speak on topics of faith and experience fellowship and life-giving community. Based on the passage of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, the ministry seeks to lead students deeper in the Catholic faith through community, conversation, and prayer. We hope you enjoy listening to this episode. Let's go ahead and pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, let her rip. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It sounds like a funny prayer, but it's real, y'all. Like, seriously. Um, because I just want the Holy Spirit to say what the Holy Spirit has to say tonight. And I was given four different topics, and Sister Gemma, who rides around with me quite a bit, my work, we work together in the vocation office, I was like, here are the topics, what do you think? And we ruled out one of them right away, and then we were down to three. And I was like, I could talk about discernment, because I'm a vocation director, but they'd expect that. So that's boring. Uh, and I was like, I could talk about prayer, but my first Ephesians 3 appearance back pre-COVID days was about prayer. I was like, that's probably online somewhere in the deep, deep interwebs. You could find it. Um, the other option was forgiveness. And as a Franciscan sister, particularly our, our community is the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George. It's a big, long, drawn-out name, but the product is Franciscan. The brand is of the Martyr St. George. And every community in the church has a charism, a gift of the Holy Spirit given to bring to the church in the world. And the charism of our community is to look upon the pierced heart of Jesus, to receive his merciful love, and to bring it to the world. Easy enough, right? Sure. Really, in some sense, our charism is forgiveness. Our charism is to receive the forgiveness that Jesus wants to pour out, and then to bring that to the world. Easy peasy, right? No, not at all. Because forgiveness is definitely a process, and it's not what we think it is. So a little story. I grew up in Rhode Island. I'm the oldest of three kids, and I'm a public school kid, 13 years of public school. And my seventh grade English teacher was hands down the most terrifying woman I've ever met in my life. Her name is Miss Barbado. And Miss Barbado had a reputation, and one of the, part of the reputation was she's the meanest person ever. Don't forget to do your homework ever, because you will get detention, you will get in trouble. And she's an ex-nun, and that's why she's so mean. So Miss Barbado, I go in my first day of seventh grade English class, and I almost peed my pants because she was that scary of a woman. And uh, I always did my English homework first when I got home from school, and I would tuck it in my book right where, well, you know, whatever page it was, so that I would have it ready to go when I got into class. And there was this fateful day, fateful day where I got to my homeroom, and I always checked first thing in the morning to make sure that I had it, because if I didn't have it, then I had time to maybe do it really quickly, and I, I couldn't find my homework. And it wasn't there. So I'm like, okay, I've got like 10 minutes to the bell. I've got, I've got to finish my English homework, and I didn't finish it. So I brought it to my first hour class, which was language arts with Mrs. Peretti. And I'm doing it in class, and she caught me and took it and ripped it up. And so I get to Miss Barbado's seventh grade English class, and she says, who doesn't have their homework? That, and I'm not exaggerating. That's, that's how she came across. And seventh grade me raised my hand, and then she said, stand up. And so I stand up, seventh grade me, and I just start crying. Because I'm like, I'm so embarrassed. And I, I had done it. I had done it. I just couldn't find I just I knew I had done it. I was like, did I lose it? I didn't have a dog, so he couldn't have eaten it. I don't know what happened, actually happened to it. Um, and then she's like, why are you crying? And I was like, oh, I don't know. She kicks me out in the hallway. So I, I'm, I get kicked out for crying. One time I got kicked out of class in my life was for crying. And I'm in the hallway trying to get myself together. And she comes out and she's like, why are you crying? Like, in my face. 
And I said, I, I'm just sensitive, I guess. Like, I can remember seventh grade me saying that. Um, and I promise this is healed trauma because, um, well, that's, that's coming up. So, Ms. Barbado, really scary human being. I get home that night. My mom says, how was your day? I said, it's the worst day of my life. Like, total seventh grade thing, right? Worst day of my life. She opens up my book, and my, my homework was right there the whole time. But I was so filled with anxiety about, like, getting in trouble in Ms. Barbado's class that I just couldn't even function. So I tell you all of this because I am a pretty good writer. And I think that one of the reasons I'm a good writer is because Ms. Barbado was a great English teacher. And I learned my prepositions. And I was sitting in a meeting about three years ago, and the sisters and I were drafting this document. And I said, we need just the right preposition for this in order to really get across the meeting. So let's see, aboard about above across, after against long, long around, <laughs> and the sisters looked at me like, what kind of English nerd are you? And I was like, Ms. Barbado's seventh grade English class. And then I got thinking, you know, when you get thinking, you're like, oh, Miss Barbado, I wonder what she's up to these days. She was old when I had her. Is she alive still? Is she dead? Madeline Barbado, Rhode Island. I don't know, obituary. And I found an address. I was like, could be her. Could also be someone else named Madeline Barbado in Rhode Island. And I decided to write her a letter. So I just wrote her a letter, and I thanked her for being a good English teacher. Thanked her for teaching me the prepositions and put it, put it in an envelope, told her about my life, because I thought if she was an ex-nun, like, maybe she'd want to know that I was a sister, or maybe she would be mad to know that I was a sister. I don't know, either way, I feel like I'm supposed to tell her. So I told her about my life and put it in an envelope and sealed it. And I always seal my envelopes with washi tape, because after COVID, I just think it's gross to look an envelope, but also because washi tape is cute. And then I sealed my envelope. Um, I was about to turn it in to get a stamp and be sent, and I, I felt prompted to open it up again. And I had prayed through that memory of me being seventh grade me in the hallway and that like the trauma that that was and, and like let Jesus come into that and like reaffirm my worth even though I didn't have my homework, which I actually did have my homework. I was just like, where is my worth coming from? And so I, I really had prayed through forgiveness of her, like forgiveness and releasing the pain that that caused in, in that moment and the lies that I began to believe about myself in that moment. And so as I opened up the envelope again, I just felt prompted to write P.S., I forgive you for kicking me out of class for crying that one time. Sealed it. I'm like, she probably does not remember that day at all. She taught for over 50 years. There's no way she's going to remember this day. Stick it in an envelope, mailed it. Thought, this may or may, and like, I started my letter by saying, this may or may not actually get to you, but here's who I am. You may or may not remember me, but here's who I am. You taught me in seventh grade. Here's where I am now. Um, and about a week and a half later, I got a letter back. She indeed was alive. The letter did indeed find her. And she wrote, Dear Sister Carolyn, I was so surprised to receive your letter. In fact, I was so surprised, and I have to admit, I don't actually remember who you were. Um, and I thought I would open up a letter to, to hear these accolades of what a great teacher I was. And I'm so sorry that that wasn't your experience. Now remember, most of the letter was thanking her for all the great things she did to teach me about English. It was just that little PS at the end. And she said, I sincerely repent of having hurt you in that way. I sincerely repent of having hurt you in that way, and I ask your forgiveness. She said, every day I go to Mass. And at Mass, at the consecration, I pray for all the students that I ever taught. My exact words are, for those I have helped and for those I've hurt. So you see, I've been praying for you all these years and you didn't even know it. I do hope that the next time you're on a home visit, we could get together for a cup of coffee. 
So last November, I went to Miss Barbado's house and we had a cup of coffee together and we had a pastry together and we prayed together. She indeed had been in religious life for a time and her community made some decisions that made it difficult for her to live the life that she signed up for. And so she had departed after a time. And, uh, but this woman lives a consecrated life. She lives a life with Jesus. And I was so inspired by it and she continues to be a pen pal of mine. We write letters to each other. And it's just a beautiful thing that I never, if you went back and told seventh grade me that I was going to be pen pals with Miss Barbado when I was in my 40s, I'd be like, yeah, right. Miss Barbado's going to be dead when I'm in my 40s. <laughs> but that, that experience of the prompting of the Holy Spirit to extend forgiveness to a woman who didn't even know that she hurt me was really this beautiful reminder of the power of forgiveness. Because so often, um, what prevents us from receiving God's love are the walls that we build up in our hearts. The walls we build up in our hearts because we've been hurt. My lack of forgiveness toward sometimes even God, sometimes towards myself, sometimes towards others, prevents me from living the abundant life that I'm made for. I don't know about you, but I think probably part of the reason you came tonight is either um, your friend dragged you here, or there is something in you that desires an abundant life, that desires to live a freedom, that desires to live a life that's rooted and grounded in love, that desires to live a life that's radiant, that's joy-filled. And one of the things that I've realized in my walking as a disciple of Jesus for a long time now is that sometimes the biggest obstacle to joy in my life is myself. Sometimes the biggest obstacle to freedom in my life is myself. Because my inability or my unwillingness to actually let go, to surrender to the love that God has for me, to receive that more deeply so that I can follow him more freely. And that obstacle to receptivity is maybe my holding on to something, my holding on to pain, because it's really comfortable to hang on to my pain, the things that maybe choices that I've made that have hurt me that I'm like, well, it's too bad, it's my fault anyway, I better just beat myself up about it. Or maybe things that other people have done that have wounded me that have hurt me that I found my identity somehow in that. But this is not why Jesus comes. Jesus comes to set captives free. The very name Jesus means God saves. And we don't need a savior if we don't have sin, our own sin. And the world doesn't need a savior if the world doesn't sin against us. And so we just celebrated Christmas and the beauty of the incarnation and God, Emmanuel, who is God with us, coming into the world so that he can be Jesus, so that he can be Savior, so that he can be the one who teaches us how to live, who teaches us how to love. Forgiveness is an essential element of living the Christian life. This is why he came, one of the things he came to teach us so often. I started teaching a class today on the Gospel of Luke and just going through the Gospel of Luke is really the Gospel of Mercy. So many beautiful ex examples of Jesus forgiving people, usually people who didn't even ask for forgiveness in the first place, but that's what the heart of Jesus does. The heart of Jesus is willing to go out and to extend forgiveness even before it's been asked for. Jesus, the one who commands us to forgive 70 times 7, to be merciful just as our Heavenly Father is merciful, to forgive as we have been forgiven. That's part of Ephesians chapter 4, by the way. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Right. So in the invitation to forgiveness is an invitation to live a more abundant Christian life. And this lack of forgiveness causes in me a hardened heart. Sometimes uh, lack of forgiveness can cause anger, 
fear and sadness. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live as an angry, fearful, and sad person. (laughs) I want to live as a woman who's free, a woman who's transformed by love, because only in that can I really be truly who I am. And so the call to forgiveness is, is kind of twofold. It's a call to receive forgiveness, to recognize the places where I need to be forgiven, but also a call to extend forgiveness. Jesus tells us, without cost you have received, now without cost you are to give. And I think the obstacles to both receiving forgiveness and offering forgiveness usually come down to a few things. Like, so first of all, we need to be humble. And humility, by the way, is not like kind of putting ourselves down, but it's just living in reality. And when we allow ourselves to live in reality, making us nothing more than who we are and nothing less than who we are, but just the stable reality of who we are, we can approach the Lord with humility and say, hey, I need you because I don't have my stuff together. (laughs) And then when we maybe extend forgiveness, we can recognize in that other person, like, hey, I am called to offer this person forgiveness because they're a human being just like me who doesn't have their stuff together. And then an honesty. An honesty, a vulnerability to just say, like, this is the reality of the situation. Honesty and humility are so intimately connected. And then a bold courage. It takes courage to ask for forgiveness, and it takes courage to, to extend forgiveness. And usually the reasons that I resist either going to ask the Lord for forgiveness or extending forgiveness to another, first and foremost, is just straight-up pride. I have a hardened heart. I don't have the humility and honesty to approach the other in the way that I'm called to. Maybe I have a self-righteousness about me that says, like, nope, nope. Or maybe I'm just, like, justifying my actions uh, or justifying another person's actions. Or maybe a failure to take responsibility for my own actions. Or maybe a placing too much responsibility on another person. Sometimes I'm just scared to extend forgiveness. I don't know what got into me the day that I decided to write a letter to my seventh grade English teacher, other than the Holy Spirit. But there was this just beautiful result. And that beautiful result that happened was actually, it's really powerful to just continue to remind me to pay attention to those promptings. Where do those conversations need to happen? I've had a conversation with, with both of my parents at different times. I was like, hey, I forgive you for this one thing. And my dad's like, I, I don't remember that at all. I'm like, you don't, you don't actually have to remember it. I remember it. And you don't even have to worry about it anymore because I'm offering you this forgiveness. And it was a really powerful moment to move my relationship with my dad to like the next level. To be able to almost um, be a daughter in a new way so that he could be a father in a new way. Sometimes I don't extend forgiveness um, or I maybe hold back extending forgiveness because I don't understand what forgiveness really is. Sometimes we think forgiveness is like, well, I just like forget that there was harm done there. Like, well, it's not, not that big of a deal. Like the minimizing, perhaps. Or maybe we fear that if we extend forgiveness to someone, then whatever happened um, would, would not be reality anymore. Or maybe I don't feel like forgiving something or forgiving someone. But the reality is forgiveness is not about feelings. It's about an act of the will. I choose to allow God's mercy to flow through me to another person. And that actually holds the reality of whatever harm has been done. That doesn't negate it or wipe it away. Forgiveness and reconciliation, we sometimes just make the same thing in our minds. But forgiveness is the choice to say, I no longer hold you responsible. I no longer hold this against you. I no longer hold this debt that you owe me. But I'm letting go of the right to be right. I'm letting go of the right to be right. And I'm giving you permission to be a free son or daughter of the Father. 
Forgiveness does not require us to forget. It requires us to remember in a new way. The very word remember, like think about how like if you get a finger chopped off, you would be like dismembered, right? It's kind of a little bit grotesque, but to remember is to put all the pieces back together. And when, when we remember properly, when we remember with the heart of God, we actually can experience something even deeper and something even more. We can actually receive a deeper freedom and a deeper healing than just remembering things with our own human eyes. We say, Jesus, show me what happened there. Show me how whatever wound I received in that moment, healed by you and healed by my bravery and offering forgiveness to the person who caused it, could actually be a deeper experience of your love. There's a, a French author who says that there are places in the heart that do not yet exist, and into those places enter suffering that they may come into existence. I don't know if you've ever heard of St. Edmund Campion. St. Edmund Campion is one of the English martyrs. And there's this great piece of literature called Campion's Brag. And Campion's Brag is a letter that he wrote to the Queen of England, who was the very woman who was sending him to his death. <laughs> and essentially, if you kind of blow down the letter, what he says is, uh, you know, dear Madam Queen, I don't know if that's exactly how he addressed her, but whatever. Um, dear Queen of England, <laughs> thank you for sending me to my death. Because you actually send me to my maker, and you send me exactly to the place that I desire to be that is heaven with God forever. So while you think that you're my enemy because you're doing this to me, you're actually my friend. In the providence of God and in the hands of the Father, when we live in abandonment to his providence, the very things that we might look at as stumbling blocks to receiving his love become the greatest springboards to receiving his love. The very people that we might perceive as our enemy might actually be our best friends because they're the ones who thrust us deeper into the heart of God. That we might see things in a new way, that we might remember things in a new way. That we might not forget what's happened, but we might remember it with a new attitude. The attitude of the heart of Jesus. The attitude of the heart of Jesus um, which is the place where evil goes to die. That lance that pierced his heart open created a space. And whatever we put into that space, whatever pain, whatever disappointment, whatever hurt, whatever person we just need to shove into the heart of Jesus, that is the place where evil goes to die. Because it cannot exist in the merciful love that flows from his heart. It cannot exist in that space, because the only thing that comes from that space is love and mercy. Love and mercy and redemption for ourselves and for those who have hurt us. The heart of Jesus, which never tires of forgiving, which never runs out. The heart of Jesus that is always with the Father. And if we can live in that space, then we can learn how to love the way that he loves. We can learn how to forgive the way that he forgives. So I want to just um, kind of close our time together tonight with a little bit of an exercise for you. This is an exercise that's been really helpful with me. Um, just kind of growing in different relationships and with different people in my life. There's a, a sister that was really hard for me to love. And in fact, every time I was around her, like I just felt myself shutting down and getting super anxious. And so I was sharing that with my spiritual director and he said, well, what do you do about that? I said, well, I just, I feel like this sense of control and I, I just need to like renounce the spirit of control. He's like, that's great because it protects you, but what are you doing for her? I was like, absolutely nothing. She's hurt me a lot. And he's like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray that God would put her in a position of maximum receptivity of his love. And so whenever you see her, you start to kind of tense up and feel anxious and build a wall. Just say, Jesus, I give you permission and I ask you to put her in a position of maximum receptivity of your love. Because that's putting her exactly where she needs to be. 
And as I began to do that, um, it started to kind of change not only my relationship with her, but also my own heart. My heart became softened whenever she was around. Because I started to see like, oh, you're a scared little girl too. And so when I see you, I feel like a scared little girl because you're a scared little girl. <laughs> but when I put you in a position of maximum receptivity of God's love, then your heart starts to melt and so does mine. And so kind of this image of like, who's a person that you have a hard time loving? Who's a person that makes it difficult for you to love? Who's a person that, um, because of something that's happened between you, is, is a stumbling block, or you perceive as a stumbling block? So I'm going to invite you, if you're brave enough, and if you're humble enough, to come with me to the foot of the cross with that person, and to let Jesus do what he does best. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, totally surrendered to the Father, with your arms stretched out between heaven and earth. You came as Savior, and you continue to redeem us by the power of your love. Jesus, I repent of any places in my heart that have failed to come to you to ask for forgiveness, and any places in my heart where I'm holding unforgiveness against those who have hurt me. And I ask you to bring to mind one person in particular in this moment that I have not fully surrendered to the power of your love and that I have not fully released from the debt that they owe me. I invite all of you to also just pay attention to a person who might come to mind with that prayer. Just to imagine yourself standing at the foot of the cross. Mary, Mary Magdalene, John, you. And whatever person is coming to your mind right now. As we stand at the foot of the cross, just look up and see Jesus breathing his last and the soldier piercing his heart with a lance. And as the blood and water flows forth from the heart of Jesus, just imagining yourself standing in that, in that bath of blood and water, receiving for yourself his forgiveness and his mercy. And as you receive his forgiveness and mercy, and if you feel comfortable and desire to release this individual from whatever harm has been done, whatever debt is owed, I just invite you to take that person and to, to kind of put them in front of you so that they also might experience that love and mercy pouring from the heart of Jesus. If you don't feel like you can take them and put them in front of you, maybe ask Mary to place them in front of you to receive that love and mercy. Jesus himself, as he hung on the cross, said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Just give Jesus permission to be Savior, not only for you, but to be Savior of someone who's harmed you.
Jesus, we ask for the grace to live with free hearts, hearts that don't calculate or count the cost, but hearts which seek to remain open to the love that flows from your heart. Help us to be brave enough to receive your forgiveness. Help us to be brave enough to share that forgiveness without others. For without cost, we have received. Without cost, we are to give. Help us to trust that the more we give away, the lighter our hearts will become. And the lighter our hearts become, the freer we are to dance in your love, which is divine glory itself. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.